You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. It's me again, it's Colin Kelly here bringing you the show and I'm delighted once again to be joined by my co-host and my partner in crime here on the Overtime Ireland Podcast. It is Doug Moore. And on today, uh, I'm glad it's going to be an entire show with our guest this week. I'm glad to be joined by Josh, the man with uh, no surname on Twitter, and uh, you'll know him as Fantasy ADHD and uh, all the great work he's been doing for anyone that is on Twitter this time of year, and particularly if you play in uh, MFL 10s or if you're looking to get different types of uh, ADP data. Uh, Josh is the man with all the different graphs and charts to uh, give you a lot of information and really help you out this time of year. So I'm going to go uh, first and give the floor to the guest. Uh, Josh, uh, thanks for jumping aboard the podcast again. How's uh, things been with you? Uh, things have been super busy, especially with the NFL ramping up. Uh, you know, the app's, I don't want to say blowing up, but the app has gotten pretty busy over the last few weeks with some of the folks uh, matriculating into best ball drafts for the summer and themselves getting prepped for football season, uh, working on some quarterback projections for the two QBs fellas. I uh, hope to have that wrapped up either today or tomorrow. It depends on, uh, depends on how well my son lets me work tonight. And then I, I've got a lot of, I just got a lot of irons in the fire right now. I'm staying pretty busy and uh, you know, as it is with, uh, with adult ADHD, I just can't seem to do one thing at a time. I have to do 50 things at a time. You're doing a lot of stuff, and you, you mentioned the, the the data and the app uh, kind of blowing up. I think it, that's uh, been mild. It has uh, pretty much really uh, exploded this off season and uh, become a massive part. I'm sure of what you what you've been doing. You're also part of the team at Roto Grinders uh, with RotoViz as well. Guru Elite uh, Daily Fantasy as well, and you mentioned there are two QBs and, of course, draft day consultants as well. So you really do have your hands very, very full at this uh, moment in time with all the stuff you've been doing. And you used a word there at the start that I don't think it's used enough. Uh, when the, when you watch uh, old films of the Kansas City Chiefs, is the only time I really ever hear the word matriculating being used. So uh, I'm glad to see that you're taking that back into the, the English language and <laughs> spreading it here on the podcast. Uh, Doug, how have you been since uh, we last had you on the show this time last week? I've been doing good. Uh, been off work since Friday. I go back tomorrow, so it's uh, it's a bittersweet end of my uh, short short vacation. But um, uh, it, it I've been good. I've been good. Thank you for asking. And I, I guess um, you know, obviously, all the American listeners they'll have had like yourselves uh, the Fourth of July. So happy Fourth of July uh, post uh, post celebration to all of the American listeners out there. If you're uh, living in Europe or Ireland, of course, we just had a normal week here. So I hope both of you guys uh, had a good Fourth of July weekend uh, as well as all the listeners there. Um, obviously, when we start the podcast, I'd like to give a, a shout out to uh, everyone who subscribes to the podcast. You can do that by going to iTunes or Stitcher, TuneIn. Uh, you can go to OvertimeIreland.com forward slash podcast to find all the ways that you can subscribe to the podcast. And I really do appreciate each and every one of you that come back each and every week to listen to the show. You can also stream it on OvertimeIreland.com. So make sure you're subscribed up. And when you do that, give us a written and review on there as well. It really does help us here. At OTI, um, that's uh, this week. I'm not doing a read this week. Uh, our, our promotion code isn't on this week. It should be back next week or the following week with NFL Shop Europe. So do come back again for that. And I'm hoping to have a few more uh, promotions for the listeners to avail of uh, as we get closer to the NFL season. And on today's show, we're going to be running through a number of topics that I hope you're going to enjoy. We're going to be talking, obviously, about uh, Josh's uh, data and what he's been coming up with uh, regarding ADP. 
We're going to be talking about the Scott Fish Bowl, which is starting on Monday. We'll be talking a lot about a little bit about the strategy and so on there. And we'll be talking through some NFL news as well as picking uh, from ADP twins. So we'll be picking two players with a similar uh, average draft position and uh, picking which one of those two guys that we like the best. So we'll be doing that as the show progresses. It's pretty crazy guys you know when you're looking at uh, the nfl season it seems like the off season is, goes on for so long but because we talk so much about fantasy football it kind of helps shorten it for us and uh, at this point in time i think four weeks actually started away from uh, the first preseason game i don't know if i'm have my guesses i think i heard that somewhere uh, earlier today yeah i think i saw that myself it's um yeah i thought it was four weeks away i mean it just yeah. It's right around the corner. It's crazy. So, so it really does uh, fly in, and you know we we talk a lot of dynasty this off season, but from now on, you're really starting to look into your redraft formats, and you know you're doing a lot of great work with uh, the MFL Live app, as I mentioned. But uh, I kind of started off the off season uh, doing a lot of when the MFL started up first. Kind of, I just had to get that itch scratched, and I done quite a number of leagues. Uh, I haven't done any now for the last couple of weeks, and uh, I'm planning on starting getting it right back into it again. So it's kind of it's an exciting time of the year as uh, teams start to come back, and you know you start to see some more of these players get to do stuff on the field. Before we get into the NFL MFL 10 Live app and talk about it, uh, you're obviously uh, changed changed your profile picture. The first few times I've seen it pop up, you know whether it's a DM or whether it's you posting something on Twitter, I'm like. Who's this guy posting this information? But then I, I realized the, the profile picture's changed. You uh, stuck stuck with the last profile picture for quite a long time. Yeah, it's um, it, it's I, I've, surprisingly that's where I've gotten the most heat recently. Is is not for any of the any of my takes, but it's just for changing my picture. And you know, I guess we, when you're on Twitter all the time, you get used to to seeing things pop up, and and you get familiar with what you know people's avatar looks like. So. I did the next best thing, and if you go to my profile page, you know I kind of stuck Dr. Steve Brule there in the background, front and center, as, as best as I could. So, I mean, in essence, he will always be with us, but for now, you'll just have to look at my ugly mug. Yeah, more a more growing up, uh, a more growing up thing, and maybe that's just because uh, you're getting some more. Uh, recognition throughout the the fantasy industry and uh, people want to see uh, your own face and uh, don't be too hard on yourself <laughs> i still haven't put up my face so we'll see what happens when that when that uh, sad sad day comes for all the people on twitter uh, the mfl 10 uh, live app i have mentioned a couple of times for anyone who's not familiar with it i'll let you explain it because you'll do it much better than i will josh yeah so you know originally what i had set out to do was uh, kind of take forward what I did during the Scott Fishbowl last year, which was create effectively live ADP for a series of drafts that were occurring at the same time. Um, in that league, it was 40 different drafts going simultaneously. And I found that people were really reactive positively to having that data available immediately and seeing what their cohorts and their, and their adversaries were doing and trying to build their own teams based off of, you know, just that small group of drafts instead of the larger you know, standard league ADP that you would see out there. Um, so, you know, one of the cool things about MFL 10s and then other other best ball series out there like FFPC and now Plague Draft that's jumped in the game is that, you know, you have a, a series of drafts that have the same relative, same roster construction, the same scoring. And, you know, MFLs in particular, last year they ran almost 5,000 leagues. So if you have 5,000 leagues worth of data yeah, to look at, sample. you can – yeah, it's a super strong sample, and you can make some some really strong cases for kind of, I don't want to say the wisdom of the crowd, but maybe the reaction of the crowd to news and to, you know, sentiment from experts in the industry, and you can see 
ADP start to sway back and forth for certain players. You know, you see certain guys just start drop off a cliff with the uh, with the advent of of a you know an ugly blurb on Word World, and so it's been a pretty interesting case study in how people react to the market, how people value players, and how those two things change throughout the off season when news re- uh, <clears throat> erupts. Yeah, and it's pretty much you. Obviously, you have it in the name MFL Ten Live, but it obviously is a live kind of look. As you mentioned, it's when the news comes out and there's drafts going. Particularly this time of year with MFL Tens, so say if there's a draft on Tuesday, news comes out on Wednesday. Well, you can see pre-Wednesday all the ways that the player was uh, drafted, what round, what pick, and then you can see if it goes up or down following that news or whatever seems to happen. And it's going to be interesting come training camp to see quickly how some of this stuff will spike up and spike down. So it's always very, very interesting. And the reason I like it too is the way that you have like the automated let's say i'm going to call it a gif i never can get it if it's a gif or a gif but uh, the way it shows over the progression of say even a week or whatever span that you set it up to show you can see how the the points are moving up or moving down for certain players and i seen you had one up today for uh, bilal powell and matt forte and forte kind of creeping up towards him you can get comparisons particularly at uh, the similar running back positions or, or running backs competing for a job and then you can see it as well for wide receivers and that so it's very very interesting to see how all that moves around you did mention play draft there and i haven't done any play draft leagues yet but um, have you? I've seen a lot of hype on it for Twitter, compa- comparing it to say MFL tens. Is there uh, much difference or any differences between the two? You know, fundamentally, it's still best ball, so it's you, it's draft and forget. So you you know you draft your best team and then you know wait till week sixteen and see how everything shakes out. So in essence, it's the same thing. But what play draft has done versus what my fantasy league has out there for a best ball product is pretty unique in that um, <clears throat> the the fellows at draft have you know, different roster, not roster construction, sorry, it's different, different league constructions available. So you can get a three man league, a six man league, a 10 man, a 12 man. And they also have two uh, draft style variants. So they have fast draft, which is a 30 second pick timer. And they have a slow draft, which is a typical eight hour timer, like you would see on MFL 10s, MFL 25s. Um, scoring is slightly different. So the scoring for draft best ball adheres to their NFL product that they currently have on the market for DFS where it's half PPR as opposed to full PPR that is it for MFL 10. And one of the really cool variations on, on draft side is that they have return TD scoring for players. So, you know, guys like Tyler Lockett, um, allegedly Tyreek Hill, players like that that also have, you know, pretty effective return games, maybe see a pretty good boost in value opposed to what they might in other leagues where they don't get return points. So, uh, overall, the, my experience with it is it's been a good product. They have a really good draft app. Um, it's simple to use, and it's pretty easy to find a game whenever you want one, just like it is for my fantasy league. So been real pleased with the format so far. Yeah, so some subtle differences. And then, of course, you know, for guys like us, if we're on Twitter and we tweet out a league, you can get it filled up pretty much uh, within a couple hours, uh, you know, if you're doing it. Uh, with a 12-team format, but maybe you're looking to just play against a couple of friends. That's quite an interesting uh, option to play it against uh, smaller lineups. And the other thing I liked was uh, you mentioned the 30-second clock. I think that'll be a lot of fun, you know, because you really have to be aware of what you're doing and try and do it kind of very, very rapidly. So I think that could be an interesting one to jump in and play as well. Doug, uh, I've left you quiet for quite some time, so we're going to jump into a topic that this is actually a topic that uh, Josh wanted to talk about, but it's back to the New England Patriots and, uh, you know, who better to get to talk about it than you while we're doing it. Um, you know, with the movements that the Patriots have made this year, you know, more talk today.
today about Mike Gillisley and his upcoming role, and then obviously Rex Burkhead came in. So we were all about aboard the Rex Burkhead train at that stage. Then Gillisley comes in, kind of cuts down that work and kind of over jumps him in the depth chart probably. And then you look at Branton Cooks coming in, uh, signing Edelman to the longer term deal with all the you know players and skill. There, there is just a fantastic array of weapons around Tom Brady heading into this season now. When you look at it, is it pretty much bad for, well obviously it's good for the Patriots, but from a fantasy perspective, is it pretty much a tough read outside of daily fantasy sports and then of course as well when you're looking, uh, you know, best ball leagues, I think you can fit them in pretty well there as well. But if you're looking for, you know, redraft or dynasty for the season when you have to set a line up week in, week out, do you think it's going to be a tough one to call week to week for the Patriots, uh, Doug, this season? Yeah, I, I think the the one thing that you look at with the Patriots is they, they do a lot of matchup-based sort of game planning, and we've seen that in years, years past with Bill Belichick there, um, where you know we, we would see guys like James White before he really settled into his role just explode for a game or or you know somebody else like a I don't even know when when Danny Woodhead was there for example or just and, and those those guys that you don't think of Malcolm Mitchell for example you just don't think of those guys but then they just all of a sudden come back on the map. Um, I would say, you know, obviously the one guy that benefits the most out of this is, is Tom Brady. Um, you know, I think he makes his case, um, you know, I would say as a top five for sure, fantasy quarterback coming into the season. Granted, age is always, you know, something to keep in mind. But, you know, outside of the suspension and his knee injury back in 08, he hasn't missed a game. Um, granted, he could break down any time. But when it comes to the, the skill players, you know, you look at, um, you know, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, uh, Malcolm Mitchell. Then you look at Rob Gronkowski, Dwayne Allen, Mike Gillisley, Rex Burkhead, James White, Deion Lewis. That, that's, that's <laughs> I think, ten of them right there off the top of your head yeah. that are all notable fantasy guys in one way or another, yeah. or at least they come to mind. So I, I think when it comes to the more consistent players, when it comes to looking who you want to draft, who's going to do well season long, or I think who's going to have a consistent season, there's a couple guys that come to mind for me, and some of them are easier rather than others. Rob Gronkowski is one guy. He's a top tight end in fantasy. Um, I don't think that changes no matter who they brought in. Um, even if they brought in Randy Moss and Wes Walker from 10 years ago and brought him back, and I still think Rob Gronkowski would be a fantasy dynamo as long as he's on the field. Um, I would say that – Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest thing with Gronkowski. Um, it, it's never been production. He produced even when he was hurt last year, but then he had the back injury. So I would say that when it comes to guys that are probably going to be easier or more safe picks, I would actually say that besides Gronkowski, I would look at, uh, especially in PPR leagues, I think that James White is going to have a defined role. Um, I think that he's going to be a guy that's going to get, you know, probably four or five catches a game potentially. Um, you know, I, I really think that, you know, he's going to at least get the looks. And then obviously executing is a different story, but I think he's settled into a nice role as their main uh, passing down back. Uh, Mike Gillisley is another guy. I mean, you look at what the Patriots did last year with Garrett Blunt, who I think Gillisley is you know, superior to, at least in regards to talent at this stage in both their careers. Um, and he got 18 touchdowns. And he had the fifth most carries in, in football last year. Um, and granted, that was with under a four-yard-per-carry uh, four ratio. So imagine what a guy who's probably talented – or more talented than Blunt can do in a similar offense, which I think uh, Gillisley could do. He might not get you know 300 carries, but I still think he could get at least 200. Um, and he's going to be that guy on the uh, on red zone where you know they're looking to pound in from the, the five yard line, which they did a lot with Blunt last year. So I'd say Gillisley is probably a safer guy. Granted, I don't know his ADP off the top of my head, but 
it's probably got to go down a little bit. You know, you got to worry about actually getting some value because some of these ADPs right now, at least, are based off of if they perform at their maximum, they're actually getting return on investment of probably zero. Um, but besides Gillespie and Gronk, I would say the other guy for me, just because um, Brandon Cooks was is going to be in the same sort of role in New England. Malcolm Mitchell still developing. Um, I would say it's Julian Edelman. I think he's going to be relied on yet again as a guy who may not be the most, um, you know, at least in fantasy, he wasn't consistent over the first half of the season. But I think he's going to be the guy who's going to give you the most points on average per week. I think he's going to be the guy that solid really, floor. yeah, I, I think he has a solid floor, especially in PPR. I, again, his numbers are going to dip a little bit. It's going to happen. But he's the guy. He he is Tom Brady's guy. That's why he signed the extension. That's why he's been in the role he's been in. So. I think he's going to be a guy who's going to have a solid floor, like you mentioned, probably four to five catches, if not more. Um, you know, again, he dealt with that, still healing from that foot injury, and then he turned up in the second half of the season when he finally got over it. So I, I think that even with the new additions, with Gronk coming back, I would say that the three most consistent guys, the three the three guys that I would target reasonably are, are Gillisley, Gronk, uh, now, granted, Gronk's depending on his ADP. Granted, he's being drafted in the second round, I think, right now. But then also Welker. Or, not Welker. Uh, the, the, the guy who <laughs> Get on Welker. Welker. In, in, um, in Edelman. Uh, what's Welker's ADP at the minute, I wonder? I think it's he's Edelman, going. you mean, right? Yeah, I'm being sarcastic. Um, going <laughs> back, though, with uh, with Gronk, I think that's... Uh, I should have mentioned that. Pretty... Uh, you know, kind of no-brainer when you're looking at him if he's on the field. He is uh, the number one tight end, without a doubt. You mentioned Edelman. He is the one that I feel slightly comfortable with because I think they'll still use him to move the chains, and I think he'll probably still get this, probably six to eight touchdowns this season. Uh, I was, I mentioned, uh, I was quite high on uh, Rex Burkhead, you know, before he hit free agency, and I was hoping he might land somewhere else. Then I thought when he landed with the Patriots, it seemed like a dream landing spot. And then uh, obviously, it's kind of his his hype has died down since. So it's very very hard to trust, and it feels like almost like there's going to have to be some of these guys will get injured, and then we'll have a clearer view. And obviously, the Patriots have that strength and depth now, even with injuries, they should still be okay. So we'll see what happens, uh, Josh. With those players that Doug mentioned, is there any of those that you know you have a different view on, or have you anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, the Edelman thing has been kind of a conundrum for me this offseason. I've taken a bit of him when he falls into the, the fifth round or later than that. So I have a couple of shares in the fifth, I think one or two in the sixth when he's happened to get that deep. Um, you know, you'd kind of jokingly ask what his ADP was. Over the last two weeks, it's 54.82. So, you know, he's right in the middle of the, of the fifth round yeah. for his ADP value, which is probably pretty fair for a guy that should see, let's say, 120 targets. Uh, this season and maybe five or six touchdowns if, if we're being, I guess, I would say generous because I don't see him as a high TD guy this year. But, you know, that being said, um, you know, one of the things I find interesting, I just punched up my data real quick and wanted to see, you know, where everybody was shaking out. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been drafted 45 times in the last two weeks in NFL 10s. That blows my mind. Yeah. I just I don't understand that. Now, granted, it's all like, you know, 19th and 20th round picks, but it seems pretty interesting that this late in the offseason when there really doesn't seem to be any kind of deal imminent for him, um, that people would still be taking a shot on him. But I guess they're saying this is the, the Brady nightmare scenario. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the guys who have drafted him have also maybe taken Brady uh, earlier in the draft. Maybe they're trying to 
just uh, be kind of very injury uh, concerned in case something does happen to Brady that they have that backup and still have points coming on a weekly basis but he's not somebody that I'd be targeting and obviously as you mentioned maybe if you were around February people were starting to look at you know the possibility of ending up with the Browns or moving uh, in a trade prior to the draft but obviously that did not materialize and uh, you know it doesn't look like he's, he's not gonna move Brady out of that starting lineup on, unless there is an injury to Tom Brady this season so it's going to be it's it's just a very difficult one for me it's very hard to get excited about and you know when you talk about him going in the fifth round I still think I think that's a fair read I, I could see him being you know somebody who finishes with uh, maybe late second early third value at the end of the season with how he performs but I, I, I can't see him being you know breaking and having a really really uh, high level elite you know I don't think he'll finish as a wide receiver one if you're looking at it that way from points at the end of the season and it's always interesting when you're you know so dynasty focused for a certain amount of time of the the off season and then you start to switch over and people you know talking about somebody like Edelman who uh, I think I got him for a second round pick in a couple of leagues prior to signing the contract because people were just so afraid that the Patriots were going to cast him off after the season and then you go back to this where he's uh, when you're trying to win now in a, a redraft format where he's in the fifth round and it just it feels it feels too high but then when you think it through logically it seems like a, a realistic place to have him sitting at this moment in time um, I want to get in now obviously to the Scott Fishbowl starting on Monday for any of the listeners who don't know uh, what the Scott Fishbowl is we've had Scott on the podcast numerous times to talk about the different uh, additions that he's had last year there was 480 teams in it this year there's gonna be 720 teams and it's kind of maybe we'll call it a pro-am uh, you know there's a lot of just uh, people on Twitter who like to play fantasy football that are in it and then there's a lot of analysts from all the the top websites uh, I don't know if we'll include OTI in that, but we do have myself and Doug and James McGuire representing us. But then there's CBS and you know all the all the top guys and uh, ESPN and so on. So we're glad to be part of it. But it's uh, going to be 60 leagues, went up at 12 teams, and uh, the the key to this year, Scott has changed it. Instead of uh, PPR, it's going to be one point per first down. So rather than every reception you pick up the points, you're going to pick them up if you gather up and uh, get the first down and then tight ends are going to be premium in this league they're getting two and a half points per first down so there's a lot of different scoring in it a lot of different ways uh, to look around it and of course we've got Josh on because he mentioned last year when he started really ramping up the ADP info uh, it was during the Scott Fishbowl last year but uh, obviously since that time uh, Josh has formulated the perfect strategy to uh, win the entire competition and uh, he's going to reveal that now for us so uh, the floor is yours Josh. (laughs) Now, I wish I could say I had a strategy, but yeah, to be I honest, think, I, I haven't. I, I don't really have any strategy at this moment in time. <laughs> Four days. Yeah, away. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I, I honestly, I think it's going to be kind of a free for all, which and it was kind of a free for all last year. Yeah, I think this year is going to be much more so than last year. You know, at least last year with with uh, adding a quarter point per carry and knocking PPR down to a half, um, folks pretty quickly jumped over to running quarterbacks and to running back, you know, high volume running back yeah. as, as kind of the, the cornerstones of the roster this year. Um, you know, I, I'm starting to see a real heavy lean toward, and at least in the mock drafts that are going on toward tight ends going much, much earlier than, uh, than they would have previously, uh, you know, a bunch of guys, even guys like Kyle Rudolph and Hunter Henry are moving up into the fifth, uh, fourth, fifth, sixth round sometimes. Um, which is pretty high for a tight end. But when you think about it, in, in Scott Fishbowl, when tight ends get um, two and a half points per first down, that's pretty impressive. Yep. So, you know, if they score a touchdown, I think it's something in a neighborhood of eight and a half points for a touchdown instead of just six. So, I mean, there's a there's a pretty hefty bonus attached to, to what the tight ends are getting out there. So, I, you know, it's no surprise that folks are finally becoming hip to that and starting to move up. 
Um, yeah, I had seen some data out there. Uh, Josh Hernsmeyer, Frisco Josh on yeah. Twitter, have put out some some pretty good stats saying that if you want to just do a rough calculation of, of points per first down for any player, just take their number of targets and multiply it by 0.4. So it was a reasonable approximation for anybody that's wanting to do some napkin math uh, to figure out just what kind of effect it might have on scoring for this year. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because with uh, the running backs as well and, uh, you know, getting that point per first down, it's really going to, the people who get volume, it's going to be a real key into who you're looking to get early on and or early on in those rounds. And then, of course, as well, there is the option for your team to be super flex where you can start two quarterbacks each week. So I think we'll see early as well, uh, you know, the, the quarterbacks will probably come off the board because uh, it's six points per passing touchdown for the quarterback as well. So there's a lot of different things. And, you know, you mentioned last year when it went to, the half point PPR and the the quarter point for the running backs, you know, per rush. It was kind of you could adapt it to it, and it didn't seem like it was that big of a deal. But this year, just with the, the change, it just seems like everyone's going to go in, and it's just going to be let's see uh, what we take out of the bag at the end of this draft and see how how things go. Uh, Doug, obviously, I mentioned your end as well with us. Um, have you any strategies that you've come up with, or uh, are you just uh, going to see how things go? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I um. You know, I, I went to last year being uh, last year was my first year, um, and I, I don't think I did too well. Um, <laughs> so I think what my strategy is going to be is that I'm going to um, I'm going to take three tight ends right out of the gate and um, just go best player available after that. Um, I might even petition to draft a punter because um, I believe that they're going to be more plays that are going to be dialed up this year that will get first downs, maybe, uh, some maybe. fakes and stuff like that. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, um, no, I actually have not done one bit of research or um, strategizing, and I probably shouldn't reveal that, but uh, I unfortunately have not, and I'm, I'm hoping to maybe do something. Um, oh, it's, maybe it's, some- it's like when you're at school, you're going to do a crash course this weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably do a, you know, I'm going to probably do like 100 mocks this weekend and still realize that. <laughs> I'm probably going to start off taking a tight end just because of their premium. But, no, I, I think, you know, for me, the, the one thing that changes is obviously the first downs. So, you know, I, I don't know. You know what? Get back to me next week. Okay. And, well, uh, I can the draft, probably provide more for yeah. you. The draft starts on Monday. So when we talk next week, oh, uh, the, oh, you'll have a couple right. of days done. So we'll see what happens. We'll right. see what happens. Right, right. Oh, well, yeah, uh, it's, it's funny, Doug may be onto something because technically every punt ends in a first down. Yeah. So, if, I mean, if you're going to take the punt, oh the punt's the God, most. Oh my God, I am right. And if, imagine if there's so, a, a fake punt, the the punter for the Raiders. Uh, what's the punter for the Raiders now? Marquette King. Yeah, Mar- like he he could he has the speed. He could like fake one and take it to the house, and you get those uh, rushing yards as well. Can I have him as my quarterback though? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, send Scott a DM and see what he says. But uh, when you're looking at it, you know, taking three tight ends out of the gate is, uh, could be, you know, a pretty smart strategy with that. You know, if you get three elite ones, say if you're at that turn, you know, you're picking, uh, you know, 12th and then you're picking 13th again. If you go double tight end there and uh, pick up two, get, you know, the, those points are going to rack up over the season. And obviously we know that tight ends as well pick up uh, quite a considerable amount of touchdowns throughout the season. So you could you could be on to something there. So if you have absolutely no strategy come draft time on Monday, maybe that's something you can just uh, 
fly by the seat of your pants and uh, try out, Doug. But it's something that I'm really looking forward to. And it's something, <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> and it's something, uh, you know, with the, the fantasy community and uh, when you're part of it on Twitter, there's so many great people in it. And Scott is one of the good guys that are in it. Obviously, there's a lot of the a lot of stuff in this that helps go to his charity work, and that is uh, fantasycares.net. So it's something that everyone kind of has a, a soft spot for, and it's obviously good to pit your wits against a lot of other uh, very very talented fantasy people uh, in the industry and that so it's it's a fantastic thing to be a part of and uh, it's going to be hard whoever wins it has uh, serious bragging rights last year uh, 480 teams and this year it's going to be 720 so i think uh, it'll be nice to be the the one at the top of that mountain come the end of the season but uh, doug mentioned you know them three tight ends um a team that's running out of tight ends. I'm going to run through some news here, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, obviously, Dennis Pitto was waived after his hip injury. Uh, now they have lost uh, somebody who has kind of been talked about maybe taking a flyer on was Darren Waller. He's been suspended for one year uh, for substance of abuse. He was previously suspended last year, so not looking good for him in the long term. He'll have to reapply to get reinstated into the league. Uh, you know, there, uh, Max Williams was somebody when he came into the league that I was kind of hoping would turn into something, but maybe now he'll have a chance. But there is talk as well that he could end up on the pop list to start the season. So it could uh, it could end up in uh, old man Benjamin Watson, who's also coming off an Achilles tear. So they're really banged up at that tight end position. Maybe we could see somebody like Gary Barnett slot in there. We'll yes. see what happens. But uh, I was hoping he would land with the Steelers. That hasn't happened yet. We'll see what happens there. Then the other piece of news, uh, Doriel Green Beckham was cut by the Eagles, and he has since cleared waivers just prior to us recording this. Obviously, drafted by the Tennessee Titans, a hugely, hugely impressive uh, specimen. Uh, you know, so fast, so tall. Just looked like he was built in the lab, and there was such high hopes for him. Kind of then last year split the dynasty community. Uh, he was, you know, been worth more than a first round pick in dynasty then this priori was traded then obviously for an offensive lineman i believe it was um, to the eagles and just didn't didn't seem to work out it seems to be his off the field uh, concerns more than anything and he, he just can't really seem to get the playbook down so he has gone from the eagles and the you know he cleared waivers which is never a good sign at this point then the other piece of news was uh, from adam Schefter. he was talking earlier this week and talked about the possibility of ezekiel elliott maybe getting handed down a ban uh, obviously for his off the field issues this off season and pr- prior actually to last season as well so you know he just said it's something to, to stay uh keep an eye on but i'll i'll let uh josh go first since he's the guest that's kind of really it's been a quiet news week but is there any of those that have really caught your eye and then uh, of course probably it's going to be the zeke news do you think do you think we see maybe a game ban coming his way uh, man, it's just, it's so hard to tell. I mean, they, there was a, it's hard I remember to believe Mike it's, Florio. It's hard to believe it's yeah. been this long. Yeah, I mean, it's, and, and that's the thing, you know, my, I remember Mike Florio was beating the drum for Des Bryant with a Walmart parking lot video for, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it seemed like six months and that never materialized into anything. So, you know, this, I think this domestic, um, at least the domestic abuse allegation or domestic violence allegation yeah. against uh, Zeke, um, I, that seems like that's been dragging on since before he was drafted. Yeah. And, you know, granted, sometimes where there's smoke, there's fire. But you would think at some point that Something this would just kind of go away, you know. So I, to me, I'm not, I'm not going to buy into it until the league comes out and says, oh, yeah, we're going to suspend him for a game. But to me, it, if it's a game, two games, it really doesn't affect what you're going to do with him in drafts. I mean, you're still going to take him because he's a guy that's looking to get 30 to 35 touches a game. And, you know, that's great if Darren McFadden doesn't eat into that work some. And I think he will a little bit. Um, but you're still going to chase his elite volume. 
So whether he misses a game or two, it really doesn't bother me too much because last year we were taking Tom Brady knowing he was going to miss four games at pretty high ADP because we knew what we were getting when he returned. And the same could be said for Le'Veon Bell last year. You know, he was going to miss three games, two games, whatever it ended up being. And But we knew what we were going to get when he came back, and he ended up actually surpassing that quite a bit. So to me, it shouldn't affect his ADP. I think he's still probably going to be slotted right in, you know, the probably the second or third running back taken off the board most times. Um, you know, you had mentioned tight end for Baltimore. I think that's it's a pretty interesting situation. My guess is they're going to be monitoring training camps to see who – gets cut yeah. and probably sign one or two of those guys as, as probably blockers primarily. Uh, you know, they do have, um, you know, obviously Ben Watson there, 100 years old, and, you know, he kind of had that renaissance season with Drew Brees a couple years back. Yeah. Now, does he still have that in him after a blown Achilles tendon? I don't necessarily think so, um, but he may just be kind of the tight end by proxy in that he's there and they're going to throw on the ball a few times a game. But really the, the largest beneficiaries of, of that action is going to be Jeremy Macklin and uh, Danny Woodhead, yeah. both guys who are very capable receivers uh, in that area of the field. So I, to me, I think they're just going to probably shift the focus of their passing game a little bit. Yeah, and with uh, obviously you know Woodhead coming in, with Macklin coming in, with all the players like Steve Smith and Dennis Pitta that aren't going to be there this year, the, the, just it's very hard to know exactly what that offense is going to look like. So we can uh, hopefully come preseason, we might have a, a better idea of how things shake out there. Just the last thing on the Zeke thing, if, if you're drafting him. As is now, you're you're just drafting with no concerns. Uh, still taking him, kind of. He's kind of going in that top three each and every time. Usually at that third spot, that's still where you're going to roll with him. Yeah, if I, you know, personally, if I get to if I get the third spot in a draft, I'm going somewhere else. I'm going wide receiver, either uh, either Antonio Brown or Julio Jones. But you know, I wouldn't begrudge anyone that would take him with the number three pick or the number two pick. I can see the reasoning behind it. Personally, it's not something I would do. Um, I'm sl- I'm slotting him probably number five or number six overall in a draft, and if he manages to make it to that point, I'm going to think long and hard about taking him there. Yeah, I feel, I feel the same way there. Um, just uh, we're moving on now. We have uh, five sets of uh, I guess we'll call them ADP tw- ADP twins. So people who have been drafted with the same or similar average draft positions and they're playing at the same position. So we've got some. Uh, wide receivers running backs are tight ends and we're going to go down through them first and Doug I'm going to let you go first the first one is kind of two players who are going in that mid to uh, early second round range and uh, we have Dez Bryant and T.Y. Hilton both obviously at the wide receiver position uh, I've seen some interesting news uh, or I, I can't quite I was listening to it in another podcast and I quite can't remember what it was uh, it might have been the Fantasy Feast podcast last week. It might have been Scott Barrett was talking about it. He was talking about Des Bryant versus uh, wide re- or cornerback matchups that he kind of struggled when he was against those elite level cornerbacks, maybe a top ten level, and then when he was against uh, kind of a bottom twenty five level of uh, cornerback, he dominated that competition. So I think with him, it's going to be interesting with him uh, facing guys like Janoris Jenkins and Josh Norman twice this season. And then, uh, you know, so that makes T.Y. Hilton my pick, but uh, I want to let Doug go on. Which one are you picking? Are you agreeing with the Hilton pick, or are you going with the Ez? Yeah, so I I feel like, you know, at least for the past two off seasons, not this one, but the past two, you know, we talked, I remember talking about this last year during this time with Evan Silva, you and I had yeah. him on, and he was talking about how Moncrief, or it was, it was either him or, or Patrick Doherty, I know it's somebody over at Roto World, and they were talking about how Dante Moncrief was going to break out. I think, it was, was I think the, it was Evan. He, it was Evan, where he's the more complete wide receiver of the two between him and T.Y. Hilton. He His numbers are increasing every year, 
and then he doesn't do anything. That was probably that was probably me saying that about a hundred times as well, but that's a different story. (laughs) And granted, I bought into the hype. I stayed away from T. Y. Hilton because of it, or at least at his age. So did I. And went after Dante Moncrief because I believed in it. I thought it was just you know bad timing or or whatever the case was with the uh, Andrew Luck being hurt last year or sick. I can't remember what it was. And oh no, it was Matt Hasback that got sick. Um, and you know we we just you know we. Everybody was just hoping that there would be some sort of a breakout, and it never happened. And with with Dez, the thing that worries me is that I think he doesn't have as high of a ceiling as he used to, and I think that's almost limited in a way. This isn't taking anything away from Dak Prescott, but I think it's limited because of Dak Prescott. I don't think Dak Prescott is going to put up the type of numbers that Tony Romo did. And we've seen it, you know, where Dez still put up great numbers, but I don't think it's enough to justify him going over someone like T.Y. Hilton, who has year in and year out been able to produce. They didn't really add much. I mean, neither team really added much to the receiving core besides uh, the Cowboys taking Ryan Switzer, who is a slot guy who's already like Cole Beasley and Noah Brown. But, and then on the, on the, um, on the Colts side, they really, they added Kamar Macon, but I, I think he's going to take over, you know, the role that Philip Dorsett was supposed to fill. So, I'm going to stick with T.Y. Hilton. I think he's in a higher volume offense in regards to passing, at least, where the Cowboys are definitely going to run it more than the Colts are. And I think that Andrew Luck has really developed something with T.Y. Hilton that's – I don't think we're going to see that drop off this season. Yeah, I think uh, when you look at T.Y. Hilton, it wasn't that I didn't like T.Y. Hilton last year, but I was very high on Dante Moncrief. But I think this year is more appropriate of a value of where I would like to get him. Uh, you know, he did climb too high last year. He was into that third round. And I think now it's a more fair range. I think, you know, obviously the injury last year, and I, I know a lot of his production has been touchdown related, but I do do think there's a lot of room for this offense to grow this uh, season. But I just think T.Y. Hilton is somebody who... Maybe because he's not that prototypical size guy, you know, he's a lot he's a lot shorter, but he is quick, and he, he reminds me sometimes in a way uh, of somebody uh, like Antonio Brown. I like, you know, I see some similarities as well. Uh, John Brown, somebody I really like as well, and I see some similarities there as well. So uh, I, I just think in this situation, I'd be going for T.Y. Hilton, and you mentioned as well with, you know, Dak Prescott and Des Bryant's connection. I think this year the Cowboys are going to have a big regression in terms of wins, so maybe he does get a little bit more action that way. Maybe they have to you play from behind late in games rather than play from in front. But I, I just I, I worry about how that offense is going to go based on how they're going to try and use Ezekiel Elliott. Um, who are you going with there in that their first set, uh, Josh? Uh, for me, it's it's probably going to be Des Bryant still. Um, <laughs> it jumps the opposite way. Yeah, I do, but it, it, and I but there's some method to my madness here. And, and while you know a lot of people will poo-poo on Des Bryant for not being a volume freak because Dallas just doesn't throw the ball that much, what I do see with Des is pretty rare potential for a 16 touchdown season. Yeah, and we don't get that. a lot of receivers that have that potential, but Des Bryant does. So you know, even with the narrative that Des doesn't do well against top ranked corners, here's a hint, or uh, you know, here's a here's a spoiler. Not many wide receivers do. So even an elite wide receiver like Des Bryant will struggle against double coverage sometimes and against top elite corners from time to time. And that doesn't necessarily mean that he can't score a touchdown in a given week. He can score a touchdown. He beat Josh. I think he beat Josh Norman for a touchdown last season. Um, So even if he has a three reception game, it could be three receptions for 25 yards and a score. And that's a very usable week for a wide receiver one. So, I think Des, to me, 
is going to be a recipient of a little more volume this year with the expectation that Dallas has to play from behind a little bit more. I was trying to find some uh, some of Dallas's uh game script from last year to see what they did, and particularly the Green Bay Packer game, and to see how that shook out for them. And I'm going to skip over that right now because I can't click fast enough. But for me, T.Y. Hilton, the the big issue I have with T.Y. is um, I do think Dante Moncrief uh, is a more complete receiver. The issue that I saw with Moncrief last year is that he was hurt. So he hurt his ankle, I think, week three or week four of the season and basically remained hurt the rest of the year to the point where he was effectively a tight end in that offense. And he scored a a boatload of TDs. He didn't have a lot of receiving yardage and a lot of receiving volume, but he was very touchdown heavy. And I think that speaks to his ability uh, as a wide receiver that he could still score touchdowns in the short range on on a bum leg effectively. So to me, I think... Dez is going to be better than T.Y. Another thing that I see with the Colts that kind of gives me some concern right now, and I meant to say this first, was that Andrew Luck isn't throwing balls yet. Yeah. So until he is showing that he's healthy enough to, to get out there for 16 games, I'm very concerned about everybody that's going to be catching passes in Indianapolis this year. And uh, you mentioned Des Bryant and that uh, touchdown he got in Josh Norman last year. I think he really, truly broke uh, Josh uh, Norman's ankles on that one. Uh, I remember that one as you mentioned it. Um, looking at the next one, we have Lamar Miller and Todd Gurley. Uh, Gurley and uh, Miller going kind of around that uh, second and third round turn at the moment, and between pick twenty two and pick twenty seven, roughly. Uh, I'll let you go first, Josh. Which one are you grabbing at that point? I'm taking Gurley right now, and, I, and the main reason for that is I see Gurley having three hundred touch upside, and I don't see that for Lamar Miller this year. I do think that. The Texans are going to scale Lamar Miller back a little more like Miami tended to do. Now, granted, Miami had some some kind of nincompoops, I'll say, running their offense for the few years while Lamar Miller was there. So I do think Bill O'Brien will probably try to dedicate, you know, let's say 55% of the run game to Lamar Miller. But they did draft Dante Foreman. Yeah. And I watched every single one of Dante Foreman's games at Texas because I live in Texas and my wife is a Longhorn, so I kind of get stuck doing that. And that dude is a good runner and an offense that couldn't throw the ball. So, you know, against defenses, granted, these are Big 12 spread defenses, but defenses that could load the box against them, I mean, he dominated those guys, and he broke a lot of long runs against a lot of defenses that were loaded up to stop him. So I do think he's going to get quite a bit of the work, and to me that takes away from Miller's potential as, let's say, a top-10 running back. Gurley, on the other hand, I mean, the the, the Rams went out and they signed Lance Dunbar from Dallas as kind of a pass-catching back. And Dunbar will be on the field plenty because he is an excellent pass blocker. And that was one of the things he excelled at in Dallas and kept yeah. him on the team in Dallas through injury. But Gurley, I think, will probably shine this year in a modern offense with a guy that can actually think of how to get a guy the ball in space. And I do think he's probably going to see 32 to 40 catches and potentially 300 touches if they can get any kind of lead in a game where they're not running a uh, come-from-behind, hurry-up offense, you know, the entire second half. Uh, Doug, anything to add to that? No, I'm, I'm, I I loved Lamar Miller this time last year when he got signed by Houston. I thought he was really going to have a chance to, to, to break out and, and really not be, I guess, held back by the Dolphins in their – I'll try to bite my tongue here just like Josh did – um, they're just they're foolish play calling where they would give him you know twenty five carries one week and then seven. In the I'm next just week. I, I'm just going to jump in here. I remember back and I was actually living in Australia at this time and I was uh, 
I think I was like 25 points maybe behind in the fantasy game and they played the Giants on Monday Night Football and uh, I pretty much had packed it in and I was playing against uh, Eli Manning and I just had, uh, I was behind by 20 points and had uh, Lamar Miller and I think Miller went out in the first half and maybe scored three touchdowns and I actually was in the lead at a point in the game and then they uh, sat Miller for the entire second half. So I know exactly what you're talking about when you're talking about that play, Colin, because it sucked. Yes, it sucked. Yeah, and their run game had been non-existent since Arian Foster, I, I guess since that one season where Arian Foster actually played all the games, uh, which seems like a long, long time ago. Um, that, was back yeah, when, uh, it, that was back when Benjamin Watson was a young, young player. Yes, yes, and that was back when um, iPhones went around and, and you couldn't, you know, there there wasn't such thing as Wi-Fi and crap. No, uh, no but uh, just to make it short, I agree with everything Josh said. I think there's bounce-back appeal for Gurley. Um, I think they're going to simplify the offense. They're going to try to make the pass game a little more formidable, which is laughable in thought, but they did add some weapons, I guess you could say. Um, I I just think that they're going to give him more, uh, you know, Gurley more opportunities to, I I guess, to to run the ball in meaningful situations and, you know, not rely on him so much that the defense already knows what's going on. So I would say if I had to pick the two-plus the Texans did draft De- uh, Deontay Foreman, who I- I'm a big fan of. Um, I'm, I'm going to say that Gurley is probably the guy for me at that ADP. Uh, next up, we have uh, Bilal Powell and uh, Derek Henry, and I've I've thrown one more into this one just because I I looked at the ADP and he was in a similar range with Paul Perkins. Um, Bilal Powell going kind of sixty third overall, Derek Henry going seventy fourth, and then Bilal Powell going seventieth. That's all kind of in a late six round uh, ADP. My pick out of these guys uh, would be Bilal Powell based on the fact that I think he beats out uh, Matt Forte. I was very very high on him this time last year. I think his price is maybe starting to get a little bit too high but I think I would still be buying him at that Derek Henry I think Quiley is a, a great talent and there is that opportunity there I think if DeMarco Murray can stay healthy this year I think he plays a very limited role yet again but again uh, DeMarco Murray coming off that uh, foot injury late in last season we'll see how he recovers from that and then Paul Perkins he could be the starter and probably will be the starter uh, in New York but I, I, I see you know his role being more of a, a pass catching back I can't see you know, a tree down roll for him at the moment. So I'm going with Bilal Powell, and although he does have the highest ADP, uh, who are you going with here, Josh, out of those guys? Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. And, you know, that's no knock to Bilal Powell, but I just think that the Tennessee offense is going to have more opportunity for him. Yeah. I do think DeMarco Murray is still, you know, pretty much locked in to 280 to 320 touches this season. But I still think that's going to leave plenty of room for Derrick Henry to get 120 to 150 of his own, uh, both in the pass game and the run game. And he'll probably eat plenty himself because, you know, he's a, I, he's, might a opinion, he's a really good player. He's a monster. And that offense appears to be a real dynamo in the making. Now, granted, you know, there's a lot of variance involved here. And we'll probably all be scratching our heads next January. But um, it, the Jets just I don't see how they're going to score points this year. And even if they're behind, I think that Forte is going to be pretty much 50 50 with Powell on a volume split. And the Jets have kind of come out and said as much. So with both of those guys cannibalizing each other's opportunities, I think it's going to be a real struggle for Powell to even meet his ADP this year. Whereas Henry, uh, effectively, Henry could load up on touchdowns with not a lot of volume in the right situation and just bust his ADP pretty hard. 
Henry has the potential to not quite the same as Ligard Blunt last year, but to have that role where he gets a lot of touchdowns, and if Marco Murray happened to get injured for a couple of games, has massive, massive upside. I just think with uh, Powell, you mentioned you know the Jets being behind. I think that he's going to get more of that there pass-catching work. I think he'll get in. Uh, towards the end of last season, he was starting to get more of the early down work as well. And I think if you look at the quarterback situation in New York as well, I think we'll see... You know the quarterbacks under a lot of pressure under duress, and I can see them having to dump the ball off short a lot of times. But uh, I, I do get your point. If uh, if they can't really pass the ball and can't really do anything, then there's going to be a load of boxes, and that's going to make it really, really tough for the running back. So that is a well-made point. And you mentioned Derek Henry and his size. He's pretty much an offensive lineman playing running back, and uh, <laughs> he's going to be very, very hard to stop if he gets to that second level. Uh, Doug, I'm going to let you go first on the next one. We're looking at wide receivers again. We've got Jordan Matthews and Terrell Williams. They're going late 11th round, kind of around the 130th pick off uh, the draft. Um, out of those two guys, obviously Terrell Williams last year had a nice season in Keenan Allen's absence for the uh, LA now LA Chargers, and uh, Jordan Matthews had a down year from what people were expecting as he kind of built up heading into his third year last year. But going into his fourth year now, and they have uh, Alshon Jeffrey there, uh, and he's going to move into the slot most likely, which I think suits him a lot better. Out of those two, who are you going for, Doug? Oh, boy. Um... I got to say Williams. And and the reason for that is because I know that they drafted Mike Williams. So I'll say Tyrell Williams because I know that the, the Mike Williams, because the Chargers went and drafted Mike Williams uh, seventh overall this, this past draft. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to have as much of a role as, as people think. I, I just think that they, whether you want to believe it or not, or whether people are willing to admit it, the Chargers, if everybody does stay healthy, which is a big if, considering that we're talking about a group that includes Keenan Allen in this, yeah. they have a lot of receiving talent, I believe. Whether it's a guy like you know a Keenan Allen, who if he stays healthy has proven that he can handle a number one workload, uh, but also Tyrell Williams, who can handle that workload as well if needed, which I'm sure he'll have to at some points this season, uh, if not the whole season, because I think I just heard um, – something off of uh keenan allen's body just break right now um but <laughs> don't say I, I, I just no no i i love keenan allen i think he's an awesome player but just some really bad luck and really really like weak bones um and we, we but with that, you're gonna love him when new england signs him as a you're gonna love him when new england signs him as a 32 year old free agent yeah. in a few you, years. you are you are correct and even and if Tom Brady, and Tom Brady, he'll still be playing. <laughs> yes, he will at fifty-three years old. Um, no, but I, you know, I, I just think that you know, I, I think when you look at Matthews and you look at Williams, I think it's clear whose ceiling is higher. Now, granted, I will say that Matthews probably has a, a higher floor, just because Matthews is always going to be that that middling kind of guy who will you know, give you X amount of catches and X amount of yards. But I just think that his role is just so reduced to, you know, he, they tried putting him on the outside. They couldn't. And when I say that, I mean the Eagles, um, he's really restricted to the slot, maybe a little bit of outside work, but you know, they, they did sign Alshon Jeffrey, which I think is still understated that this guy was signed to be their number one wide receiver. I think that you're going to take away some deep looks with Torrey Smith there. I think you're going to see guys like Wendell Smallwood or, I don't know, one of their 20 running backs that the Eagles have. That don't still forget about Darren Sproles. Darren Sproles. And, and then they do have Zach Ertz. They have, you know, they do have guys there as well. So, and Grace, you can say the same thing with Chargers, but I think that when you look at the ceilings of the two guys, 
I think Tyrell Williams, and in an offense where there's a more established passer like Phillip Rivers, I think I'm going to take him at that ADP rather than the guy who, you know, like Matthews, has continued to disappoint uh, fantasy owners year after year, I think. I'm interested to see what you say, Josh, because uh, Jordan Matthews we might pick here, but I'm, I want to let you see what you do. Are you going to trail as well? You know, I think – I think it's a real toss-up here. This one's been tough for me. I do have a, a boatload of Terrell Williams uh, in my best ball drafts this year, but that's because he's just been so stinking cheap, yeah. especially early on in the offseason. Right now, I'm probably still going to side with that because uh, Philip yeah. Rivers is more of a known quantity for me. I trust the volume in the offense. And, uh, you know, to me, Terrell Williams has gone out and shown what he can do in two consecutive seasons when he, you know, effectively wasn't being counted on to be a starter. And he stepped up, and he did a lot of really, really good things in that offense. Jordan Matthews, I still like him. I think he's probably going to be uh, Carson Wentz's whoopee near the line of scrimmage, unless Carson Wentz has learned to throw the ball downfield in the offseason, which I'm not sure if he has. I do think Alshon Jeffrey's going to help in that regard because he catches everything within a two-mile radius. But, you know, so far as Matthews is concerned, I think he's going to be, you know, targeted frequently, but I think his yardage – totals are going to be kind of restricted by his role in the offense and for me that just kind of pushes Terrell Williams ahead quite a bit yeah I'm, I'm just looking you know when you're looking at Jordan Matthews he would be my pick I think he's a better player in the slot I said a prior to last season that being on the outside when Macklin left wasn't going to help him if you look at his uh, games played he missed two games last year and uh, you know pr- each season since he's come into the league that was the first time he missed any games but He's uh, had 67, 85, and then 73 receptions last year. But he has had a high t- touchdown total last year, last year, eight touchdowns both years. But, you know, his average catch is uh, in around, uh, you know, that 11 to 12 yards uh, per target or per catch, sorry. And I think he can, although he is a lot different in size and shape to Julian Edelman, I think he could fit into that kind of similar role this year. As you mentioned, you know, getting a lot of checkdowns, getting a lot of 10, 11, 12 yard catches. But he does have the speed, uh, you know, if he does break a tackle to, to take it to the end zone. So I, I just think. Matthews has been overlooked I think he'll come back into the slot it's going to help him a lot here and I'm interested to see what he does because I, th- I think after the second year like going into last year I was very very uh, positive about him but I, I just thought he was better in the slot so we'll see what happens and good news for uh, me and you Josh so far is that if uh, we're drafting back to back in any drafts I think we're, we're pretty much safe we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna get whoever we want because we're we're looking different ways on most of these so far and the last one I'm gonna let you go first on this one we have uh, two tight ends uh, the rookie and then kind of maybe the one outside of Benjamin Watson maybe the oldest tight end in the league uh, Jason Witten they're both going around the 14th round and uh, Witten going slightly earlier but uh, David Njoko obviously been drafted this year with the Browns and they show have shown a lot of faith in him by cutting Gary Barnage uh, I think it was the day after the draft they cut Barnage Witten then is obviously much older and he's somebody who you often hear the stats and around that he always kind of finishes as a top 12 uh, tight end year on year since he's come into the league but the the problem with those uh, weeks is he's very very consistent but there's a lot of kind of eight point weeks and 10 point weeks you never get that uh, match winning week out of out of those two guys Josh which way you roll yeah, I think I'm probably going to still stick with Witten, especially for best ball because of his floor. Yeah. Um, obviously, Njoku is a, is just an absolute freak of an athlete, but there's another freak of an athlete playing tight end in Cleveland named uh, DeValve. Yeah. Yeah, Seth, Seth DeValve! Don't forget about <laughs> Seth. I think he, I he was, he was taken Scott. in the, the fourth round last year, I think, as well. Like, so he's still, uh, still high. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, in the, now, granted, Cleveland's draft values it appear to be quite a bit different than what the other teams in the league are doing, but... Yeah. The fact that DeValve's on the roster, he did have a pretty good 
a couple of showings late in the season last year. I think he may be the starter at tight end and very well could see plenty of volume in that offense, which would kind of leave Njoku as, you know, an apprentice, so to speak, in that offense until maybe late in the season when he comes on. So I, I, to me, if you're if you're drafting best ball, I'm going to go with Witt in the known quantity who's going to give me some safer floor. And, you know, if I'm in an either um, – I'm either in a dynasty league or I'm in a, a league where I can go and get a player later in the season. I'll probably take Njoku and hold on to him and wait and see, as opposed to taking a guy like Witten that's not going to give me a lot over a streaming tight end most of the time. Yeah, I, I agree uh, with you on this one 100%. And uh, I don't think I've ever, it's probably never happened in the history of the world that there has been such a cheer that went up when somebody mentioned Seth, Seth the Valve. But, uh, Doug, are you, are you agreeing there with uh, what Josh said? Nope. <laughs> Two words. Garbage time. I, I just think that, you know, you look at this, this Browns team and what they've shown that they can do for a fancy tight end. Now, granted, that's a whole different coaching scheme and a whole different quarterback and a whole different tight end. But let's forget all that. Let's just remember that they're the Browns. Uh, no, but I, I think that Joku is in a role where he can – Produce right away. I think that they're going to run a lot more, uh, you know, two tight end sets with DeValve and Joku. And I, I think that if we continue to see someone like Corey Coleman continue to struggle with his ability to stay healthy or learn the playbook or whatever it is, it's going to take away from him. And then you, you do throw in a guy like Kenny Britt, who is going to get, um, you know, definitely, you know, the number one wide receiver looks. But then you also look at what they got rid of. They got rid of a guy like Gary Barnage, who's been that guy for them. And then they also got rid of well, – they didn't get rid of but they lost Terrell Pryor in free agency as well. So I, I just think that – and you look at what teams are going to pass more than others. I think that there's a, a good chance, if not a definite chance, that Cleveland is going to throw the ball more, no matter who it is at quarterback, in 2017 than the Cowboys, who I, I think we, we've established they're probably a run-first offense with Dak Prescott being a, you know an elite game manager with legs. Um, I don't know if that's a good way of describing him or not, but I just think that, you know, there's going to be more opportunities for someone to put up numbers, especially in a best ball league where, you know, granted, I do agree that Jason Witten has a terrific floor, but I just worry about all the other guys that are coming in there now, whether it's Ter- uh, Terrence Williams, not granted, he's not coming up, but he's been there or Ryan Switzer or Cole Beasley, or does McFadden get more looks in the, in, in the past game? So I, I just think that, when it comes to ceilings, I, I'm going to go with the guy who probably has a higher ceiling, and I'm going to say Njoku in this case. Well, I was just going to—I was going to get after Doug a little bit for his take on the Cowboys because you know we went through it with Des with Des Bryant, and we could do the same with with uh, Witten as well. If if they're forced to pass more from being behind, Jason Witten is going to eat because all that guy does is get open against linebackers, and if he's if he's doing it in eight to ten yard chunks and he does it seven or eight times a game, there's a lot of value to be had there. And, you know, we talked about his floor earlier, but his his floor is if they're ahead. But if they're behind, his you know, his floor is stratospheric still, in my opinion, just just because he's such a good technician and he does get open so easily against even the best coverage linebackers. So um I guess I just wanted to kind of dispel the the myth that Jason Witten can't score unless you know unless they're way behind. I just don't think that's the case. I think uh, I think it's fair to say as well that Jason Witten has turned into late career uh, Heath Miller. <laughs> I think that might be fair to say. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. 
and uh, he's he pretty much he doesn't look like he can run he doesn't look like he can do a whole wild pile but he'll still get those catches and get those yards and that's a fantastic thing about this time of the year where we talk about these things uh, in the off season and obviously it is fantasy football and we're kind of fantasizing uh, and trying to give our give our opinions on what can happen and each and every person looking at it will have a different view whether they think a team will be bad and playing from behind or they think a team will be good and uh, what way it'll go but obviously if you were talking this time last year we didn't think the Cowboys were going to finish with 11 wins so it's always uh, hard to judging that but uh it's going to be interesting to see with uh Witten and of course with brian too you brought up there as well how things roll with them uh, i think it's uh one of the things i've enjoyed about recording this uh, episode of the show is that there's so many sometimes i feel like when we have somebody on we seem to be always agreeing and it's good when we get different opinions because it makes you look uh, deeper into you know st- maybe there's a reason why you've been looking at a player different it makes you kind of reevaluate that a little bit so it's always good to get people with different uh, views and opinions and uh, josh is somebody's opinion who I, I respect very highly so there's uh, lots of good information coming in there and obviously josh uh, i mentioned earlier about all the great uh, you know graphs and so on you put up on twitter your twitter profile is fantasy adhd and i would recommend anyone who's listening to go and follow it because it definitely is great information pre any of your drafts to to gather information very very quickly and, and it's in very easy and, and digestible uh, formats uh, josh obviously i mentioned earlier as well that you're doing work with uh, roto grinders rotoviz guru elite dfs and uh, two qbs as well and of course i mentioned as well draft consultants it's it's quite a list uh, is there anything else that you've got going on that you want to plug or any uh, data that you've got coming out in the coming weeks that you want to give a mention to yeah so for roto grinders i'm uh, doing draft content for them for their baseball leagues uh, i have an article every week that'll be on roto grinders usually wednesday or thursday and then every thursday we have a live show where we do a live draft best ball league uh, usually it's a six-man, but we may go to a 12-man at some point or may have some three-mans in there mixed in. But I am the host of that, along with uh, Dan Back, one of the other Roto-Grinders personalities, and provide some live commentary on the draft that's going on. It's been a, We had our first live show last week, and we had a ton of fun doing it. Um, and it's about an hour-long show, I think. Maybe we might have run an hour and a half last week, but we had a lot of fun doing that. And so, you know, look for that stuff. Uh, I have some uh, quarterback projections coming out for two QBs over the next uh, probably month or so in their draft guide when they get ready to publish that. I'm still wrapping those up. And let's see what else. Gosh, my scattered brain can't think of everything else. I've got a lot of irons in the fire, like I said earlier. And, uh, you know, I'm just doing my best to keep all the plates spinning. And uh, what I always say to people when, you know, I say about plugging at the end, the, the best way to get all the information on what Josh is going on is to follow him on Twitter because that's where pretty much now uh, anyone that's talking about fantasy football is uh, dropping whatever has come out, whether it's podcasts, whether it's articles, and you can get that all at, at fantasy ADHD. Uh, Doug's on Twitter as well. He's on it at NFL, and I'm on it as well at Overtime Ireland. So make sure you're following us all. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and uh, obviously, Josh, uh, thanks very much for uh, jumping aboard the show. Well, thanks for having me again. And, you know, I look forward to being back on someday if you'll have me, if I haven't, you know, totally wrecked your podcast today. <laughs> what? We had lots of fun. And, and, Doug, you and I will be ready to battle over Seth the Valve again this fall when he is tight in three it'll be just rallying up those draft boards and uh, it's going to be interesting to see so uh, doug will be able to say i told you so but uh, it's always good as well that really did sound like a sound drop when uh, doug put on that there what sound but uh, i might have to save that for another show but as always uh, make sure you're subscribed to the show and uh, we'll be back next week myself and doug with another show and uh, until then have a good one 
Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.